Hi everybody, Cold Beach here, uh, one of the speaking team at Redeemer King, amongst various other things that I do, and it's my privilege to bring to you God's Word this week from Exodus. So whenever you're tuning into this on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, or any time during the week, you're very welcome here. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and, and we hope and pray that what we bring to you here is is super helpful. And I'm I'm simply following on from Andrea's uh, talk last week, where she took you up to Exodus four. Uh, verse 17 totally recommend that you follow the series in this because we're chomping our way through exodus and there's some meaty and weighty stuff my job is to take us through into exodus 5 verse 21 and i'm look i'm not going to read that whole section out because it's a big mighty chunk what i recommend you do is you find a bit of time and read these uh, sections through for yourself because uh, it'll totally enrich your life it's a beautiful thing it bring you you know bring you to a point of deeper understanding if you watch this in conjunction with your own bible reading follow the series through you can you know benefit youtube wind it back fast it forward and uh, engage with your own questions let the gospel guide you and deepen your own faith it's a, it's a great way to go ahead so you now make some notes ping us some questions put stuff up in the chat or you know get in touch via the website whatever um but let's get into it so uh andrea took you up to the point where i'm taking over today in exodus 4 uh verse 18 where basically what we got is moses saying to the lord look i'm not eloquent why are you sending me back to confront pharaoh i'm i'm not your guy uh but i'm slower tongue he says uh, but god god you know <laughs> challenges that and says well i'm sending you and and he rests his power on him he demonstrates his power you know by by putting leprosy in his hand and then as he puts his hand on his chest and then healing him builds his confidence but also sends Aaron with him which is you know i like that because there is an expectation sometimes on leaders to be good at everything uh and clearly what what you know particularly speaking but actually what we have here is a model where uh God recognizes or puts the anointing of his power and his spirit on Moses, but puts someone else with courage and conviction alongside him who can be his mouthpiece. That, that's quite, I like that, it's quite cool. So anyway, verse 18, now what I'm going to do is give you some highlights and read some bits because there is you know, such a lot of it. But basically, uh, Moses, because it's an honor culture, goes to his father-in-law, uh, asks his blessing to go back to Egypt, Jethro tells Moses to go in peace, uh, go in your way, verse 18. And then the Lord said to Moses in Midian, it says at verse 19, go back to Egypt. Basically saying, look, you're going to be safe because all the men who are seeking to kill you are dead. Uh, so look, go for it. So Moses puts his wife and his sons on a donkey. Uh, you know, that that's an interesting sort of, looking into what happened in the future of Christ, isn't it? In in the final showdown. He puts his family on a donkey, his sons mounted on a donkey to return to the land of Egypt. But Moses also took something else with him. We are told in verse 20 that he took the staff of God in his hand as well. And this is what he says in verse 21 in chapter 4. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Now, there's an interesting question. You know, this is the sort of thing you want to note down. 
Why did God, it's a question, why did he harden his heart? He told him to go and perform miracles and wonders, but equally, the Lord's going to harden his heart so he won't listen. Very interesting. Then you should say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I'll kill your son, your firstborn. And so it goes on. Then we have an extraordinary sequence of events. And then we pick it up at verse uh, chapter 5, verse 1. And after Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus said the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? Now, at this point, we need to understand a little bit of psychology. We need to understand who Pharaoh is and what is actually going on here. Um, you need to understand who, who Pharaoh is. He is a product of his culture. The, the, the Pharaoh, the, the, the kings of Egypt, were worshipped like gods. They, 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 they sat next to the, the best, greatest gods of Egypt and were worshipped alongside them. He had supreme, unquestionable power. There is no legislature, no constitution, no backbenchers. There is nothing that could question him. They were, they were known as children of the sun. I mean, they, they, they were, they were semi-divine. And he is brought into that. He, he believes he is supreme above everything. And, and who are these? Israelites, like they're multiplying, but who's their God? So he's not just going to listen to someone saying, let my people go and, and let it happen. You know, he, his whole culture has taught him to just resist any questioning of his authority. Let my people go. You are having you off do you not know who I am so this is a titanic clash between huge ego and misunderstood identity that who he was in Pharaoh and the God of Israel now we know that nothing can stand against the, the Lord our God but he doesn't actually understand that at the time now what I'm going to do is chase through here a few little things that I think very very interesting in this uh, number one Having just said that about who Pharaoh is and the power he wielded over people, don't you just think it takes a little smidgen of courage and confidence for Aaron and Moses to go up there and say, let my people go? Because <laughs> what happens with the Bible is it passes over various things quite quickly. So when it says Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord our God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. Can you imagine the background, the pomp, the ceremony, the the position that Pharaoh would have put him in, guards everywhere, probably a massive hall, you know, and displays of power and displays of opulence. And then you got these two guys kind of shuffling in. 
but but they go in the name of the Lord. You know, it 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 don't. I just want to say this. Um, you may think you're low birth, ordinary person in Derbyshire, or wherever you're listening from. I'm not all that. It's just just little old me. But if you put your faith, hope, life and trust in Christ, you're a child of the living God. Now, it doesn't mean to say that we become arrogant and proud. But we can lift our heads up in confidence. Because the Lord our God is with us. If you are walking in faith and obedience, the Lord your God is with you. Your father in heaven owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He made the heavens and the earth. Now remember that. You're a child of the king. You're adopted into the family of heaven. We, we don't have to front out Pharaoh. But children of God, you know, they can feel nervous in all sorts of situations. Walk in humility and walk in grace and not arrogance and ego. But, but keep your head up. You're a child of the king. But you took tremendous courage for Moses and Aaron to do that. But the other thing is, Pharaoh is all about ownership. He, he owns everything as far as he's concerned. He's master, commander, to quote the Russell Crowe film. He's the boss. He's the big man. He's... he's He's semi-divine, he's worshipped, and everywhere he sits his foot he owns, but everywhere he looks he owns, including people. This is the other thing to remember. There is a deep truth here. God's people are, are we are slaves to Christ, but we are free. The people of God belong free, not to be oppressed. And so you ask the question, well, why didn't God just make it happen? Well, well, why didn't he just free him? Well, we'll come on to that. Because that's a really important thing to understand as well. So what happens is, point two, is that in the face of truth, the enemy in this story, Pharaoh, piles the pressure on. Verse four, but the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labours. Again, Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now many, and you had had them cease from your labour. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters masters over the people in their forum, and saying, You are no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But a quota of bricks which they are making previously, you shall impose on them. So you are not to reduce any of it, because they are lazy. Therefore they cry out, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let the labour be no heavier on the men, and let them work at it, so they will not pay attention to false words. So the taskmasters masters of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh. So you see this? You've got, Thus says the Lord. Then you've got, Thus says Pharaoh. It's power struggle. I am not going to give you any straw. You get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it, but none of your labour will be reduced. So the people scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. And the taskmasters pressed them, saying, Complete your work quotes, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. 
Moreover, the foremen of the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your required amount, either yesterday or today, in making brick as previously? And then it happens. Then the foremen of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why do you deal this way with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, yet they keep saying, Just make bricks, and behold, your servants have been beaten. But it is a fault of your own people. But he said, You're lazy, very lazy. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice the Lord. So go now and work, for you'll be given no straw. Yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. The foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble, because they were told you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. And when they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. And they said to them, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. For you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight, in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hands to kill us <laughs> how do you make sense of this and what's actually going on here well it's quite simple the truth is being declared the people will go free let my people go the enemy with the enemy in this story is pharaoh says but thus says me that's not going to happen and then increases the pressure and increases the resistance increases the demands increases the oppression I've, I've found this to be true that when you when you stand for something or you try and accomplish something or you can ask for something quite reasonable if this is a spiritual battle which clearly there is a spiritual battle going on in the background here the enemy will turn the screws that the, the the darkness doesn't lift immediately. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. And we need to remember that. But the, but the officers here, the, the, the foreman, as it puts it in the NASB, or the, you know, the officers of the people of Israel, forget that. Verses 20 to 21, they, they left Pharaoh's presence and went to Moses and said, May the Lord judge you. So here we have Moses and Aaron fronting out Pharaoh with great courage Pharaoh makes a declaration back and increases the pressure and Moses and Aaron get the blame this my friends is is has been played out through history <laughs> and and what I want to say here is to people who aspire to leadership and people are in leadership you you are there to protect the flock in terms of Christian leadership and to shield to shield them and I, I would say over 25 26 years of leadership and still currently leading you know a Christian community and um, leading edge and CVM it's a lonely place leadership is a very lonely place and even here you see that the you know the people close to Moses um, they they felt the pressure needed needed to vent so and that's understandable that 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 that's what it means to be in leadership you you have to stand firm when sometimes people are struggling and um, there's a cost to that but someone has to someone has to weather the storm the question is how did Moses weather the storm 
Well, quite simply, he remembered what, what God said to him in Exodus 3. Look at this. If you go to Exodus 3, verse 19. This is what God said to Moses. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go. Except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. Now, what I'm saying is, that people were melting under pressure and they're venting. And Moses understands this. He's a leader, and over many years of leadership now, there have been times where, you know, the people are looking to leadership and, they, and they, they vent, and it's hard. What you must do, what we must all do in our own way, is remember the words that God has spoken, remember the vision He gave you. Keep in prayer. You know, write down the things that God says to you through prayer and wise counsel and your scripture readings. Keep a record. I've done that with a few things over the years and it's and it's kept me grounded. Moses remembered what the Lord had said. And so and even when people are melting and struggling, he can cling on to the promises. Now, you can do that individually as a person who loves the Lord as well. Because he's not just like in the grand scale leadership things. There's self-leadership. They're leading our families, stuff in the workplace, anything we're involved in. Life is not easy. But you hit a sweeter place of peace if you remember the promises of God. And, and keep reminding them and keep praying into it. And I believe... That's what held Moses firm because they didn't just moan at him here. I mean, basically, they moaned at him non-stop. Um, uh, that, uh, but he kept ground. He remembered what God had said to him, and he and he and he stepped up to the plate. Um, and just to say, I'm not, <laughs> you know, that is, that is just general leadership. I'm making a general point here. Um, the, uh, it's it's just it's just the lesson that comes out of this book, and it's quite powerful actually. Remember what God said. Stand firm in it. Even when people are melting around you. As a leader, you're the person who brings that back to people. Or at least gives you inner confidence and strength. But individually too. Keep your feet on the rock of Jesus Christ. Stand firm on the promises of scripture. Keep in the place of worship. Keep your nose in the word. And you'll stand firm when, when you're facing bitter winds. Or facing some storms. Um. I want to come on to this point, which I said earlier. Why, why did God make Pharaoh resist? And why didn't he just saw it out like that? Because that is an interesting question. Well, um, I, I think it's actually quite simple. God does not want you to be a spoilt brat. Do you imagine if he answered every prayer with a positive... Can you imagine if every time you asked for something, he gave it to you? And every time you cried out for him for help, there was an instant deliverance. We would be a bunch of properly horrible, spoiled kids. One of the best ways to ruin your children is to give them everything they ask for and give him when they start screaming and crying. 
honestly, it's the best way to ruin your kids for years. Um, we need to learn patience, discipline, there's character formation, there, there's all kind of stuff. I mean, sometimes I see people giving in to their kids' demands and I'm wincing inside. I'm like, oh, don't, don't do that. You're just storing up for yourself a whole load of trouble. Well, we could be a bunch of spoiled kids, couldn't we, uh, under God as God our Father. Um, and and there is a plan here and, and a purpose that God is working out. He is going to set the people free. What God says he will do, he will do. And he doesn't lie. And God can be trusted. But he's not afraid to stretch you in the process of you becoming the person he requires you to be and to become the person deep down you know you ought to be. He will stretch you in order to get there. And I just want to say this. You know, over, again, many years of leadership now and many years of following Christ, before every increase that's come my way, I have experienced decrease. Every time. And that has been true for most leaders that I know. And being frank with you, the bigger God's plan and purpose for your life, maybe the bigger the decrease of opposition and pain you will experience because he needs to get your character to a certain sweet spot. And he will use many means to do that. And I believe he is using Pharaoh, uh, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, um, uh, me and Karen have had to walk through extreme rubble at times and pain and not understood what's going on but through the years we've resolutely refused to be angry at god we've refused uh to be miserable about it we've trusted him and we've we've embraced the process of character refining that he's been putting us on and um you know i'm definitely not the man i was a couple of years ago looking at you now through the screen um karen would say the same uh god will stretch and challenge you so that you become the person he requires you to be to fulfill his purposes before every increase there's a decrease and you just need to remember that you, you must stand firm in trust the final thing i just want to say about this because this is increasing opposition settling across the, the, the people of god the israelites um and liberation and freedom is about to come, but they still had to walk through loads of pain and torment over the years. Uh, you'll discover that and if you don't already know it as you journey through the book. But let me just say this, because some of you are going through storms and trials and difficulties and all sorts of stuff. Um, some storms lift quickly, but for the most part, storms gradually fade. Um, when Karen and I have gone through trials and tribulations and it's felt like we're going through a terrible storm with very dark clouds what happens is that slowly you see that the clouds are starting to thin or lighten and then it's almost like you see the glimmers of the sun coming through the clouds again. You know, like on a typical overcast day and suddenly suddenly you see like there's an image of the sun behind the clouds. And then someone calls out, oh look, there's a bit of blue sky. And then you 
get up the next day and you're standing in full sunlight. These, these things pass in the end. Storms do pass. But they don't always pass quickly. And sometimes God will gently lift the storm. Because if he lifted it too fast, you won't learn what you need to learn. And you won't do what you need to do. And what I'd say is that during the storm, you need to be like Moses. And you just need to keep trusting him. Trusting the Lord. Metaphorically with the staff of God. Remembering his promises. Remembering what he said to you. And the sun will shine again. But sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. So that God can accomplish not only the big scale purposes in your life and those around you. But also the small things too. God bless you. And have a fantastic week.